With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Happy Monday. Hope you're doing well. I am really excited about this episode because we now have another Bachelor alum coming on. I think what you're going to find interesting about this episode is that we do a where were you then, where are you now type interview. So this interview is with Nick Vial. Nick has been on literally every show other than Winter Games. But it's very interesting to hear the career strategy, what happens in between shows, how much money Nick had to the dollar left in his account when he decided to move to LA. Why did you even move to LA, Nick? We get into it. He explains everything and where he was then and where he is now. This will be a two-part series. The first part is really laying down the foundation of where he was then and why he did what he did. And what's fascinating is he almost didn't go back to paradise. Think about how different his life would be. So you're going to hear some wild career stories, uh, some very interesting financial facts from Nick, and you're probably going to hear a side or story from him you haven't heard yet. Where was he then? Where is he now? Part one is this week. Part two will be next week. Now let's ring in the bell with Nick Vial. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. If you're part of Bachelor Nation, you'll definitely know who our guest is today, the one and only Nick Vial. Nick has been involved with the Bachelor Nation since 2014. He was a finalist on Andy Dorfman's season, a runner-up on Caitlin's season, the next year in 2015. Yes, that's my fiance. What a fucking world, huh? He then went on to Paradise in 2016, finally became The Bachelor in 17. Many people love Nick. But some people weren't the biggest fans of Nick, which most importantly meant plenty of viewers for the network. And of course, most importantly in this world, monster ratings. After The Bachelor, he then competed on Dancing with the Stars. In 2018, he and his sister started Natural Habits Essential Oils. He is the host of a very successful podcast, The Vile Files, and much more. A wild resume and career, and I can't wait to dive into it with you today. Nick, thank you so much for coming out and being here today. Good to be here, Jason. Thanks for having me. It's a beautiful thing. And we're live in person for everyone out there. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow, Caitlin is announcing, or actually tonight, she's announcing that she'll be on Dancing with the Stars, going on the tour. And I said, you know what? What would be better than digging up the resume, going to one of her exes, which by the way, everyone should know, we are friends. We spent Thanksgiving together. Yeah. I mean, so so we go back, we're, we're buddies and life is good, but we're here to talk yeah, business. Exes is such a weird, strong word in this world though, don't you think? I think so. Like, do, mean, you can, do you consider Becca Kufrin an ex? I don't. Okay. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Do you consider, uh, who in the world, do, and, and this, we're going a little off topic, which I kind of like, but who do you consider an ex? From Bachelor World? Yeah. Vanessa for sure. Oh yeah. That makes sense. And then if I were to like stat rank it, yeah. I think... Number two would be Jen Saviano, just because we had we had a relationship outside of the show a little bit before Paradise and a little bit okay. after Paradise. Okay, so they're like I we talked and communicated and hung out in the real world. Gotcha. And that was honestly would, would probably be the only two yeah. in my mind. Certainly not Andy because I only knew her like in that Bachelor world. Sure, and sure. Caitlin's was more of a we like prior to the show, kind right. of like a silly, like love affair in a sense that was all very virtual. It was part, you know, and so I definitely not, I definitely don't consider Caitlin and Andy exes in, yeah. a, in a traditional sense. Like yeah. they are people who, and I, I don't, I'm sure maybe you feel the same way about Becca Kufrin, but like certainly memorable moments. Sure. And they have like a certainly a place in like my mind in terms of like significant things I'll remember when my life flashes before my eyes. Sure. But like in, 
in the traditional like ex not yeah yeah like not. if you're at a conversation with uh, a good friend at dinner and you're talking about exes i agree with you becca kufrin for me like would never not come up in conversation yeah. ever and that's kind of like the interesting thing about this world the reality versus like actually living in the bachelor world and you've lived in this bachelor world i mean it's been seven years now right i mean since what started 2014 i guess yeah and everything would you is it a fair assumption to say that from 2014 to 2021 making the decision to go on the show your life has changed in every which way now yeah sure i mean it didn't at first after i first went on andy andy season i just went right back to my life before I went on Andy's season. Yeah. So between Andy and Caitlin's season, I just, yeah, I, I, I had every plan and I did go back. Mm -hmm. I went back to work. I just worked. I didn't, my life in between Andy and Caitlin's season was exactly like my life before I went on the show. In the yeah. world, like the world was bachelor world and the opportunities that presented themselves after the show were very different than they were, what they were now. Like, you sure. know, but I didn't do bar appearances. I didn't yeah. do anything like that. I didn't monetize the experience at all. I mean, I think the first dollar I ever made mm -hmm. as a result of going on the show mm -hmm. was like three or four months after Caitlyn's season. And I did, it was for, what's the sunglasses that were really... My first sponsored post was... I'm trying to think which ones they might have The had. sunglasses that really like took off... Diff eyewear. Diff eyewear. Yeah, that Thank was you. it. Huh? Diff. It was a diff eyewear. I love uh, that Instagram post. All right, so that's the first dollar you made. Now I pulled up a picture of you, Nick, and I because I'm looking at your resume, I'm doing the research. I saw that in a couple articles you said that you were always the kind of guy that was working. Right? At, you said at a young age you'd be working for two dollars an hour in the neighborhood. I saw that you were a business manager at your school newspaper. You worked at construction in college. You even worked at a grocery store in high school yeah, as an assistant si produce assistant manager. Produce manager yeah. And so another thing I was looking at was I couldn't figure out, are you a double major in accounting and supply yeah. or are you a, a major in business administration? No, double major in accounting and supply, chains, supply okay. chain management, okay. which is one of those like double majors where you had to take like 15 more credits in as a double major. Sure. Okay. Because well, a lot of overlap. Yeah, of course. It was an efficient double major, but it was a double major nonetheless. And the point from is... From the school of business, though. From the school of yeah. business. Get that in there, you know. Like pump the resume up. Yeah. <laughs> Not a big Not deal. I, but I'm looking, I'm thinking about this interview. I'm looking at you, Nick, and I'm looking at this picture. And I'm showing the picture of Nick mm. when he first went on Andy's season. And I'm saying, this guy, double major accounting and supply chain management, is not, I mean, the guy in front of me, the way you look, the tattoos... The swag you got going, everything, it just seems like two different people. And what I want to know is, did you ever expect at this time period in your life that you would get into entertainment and media and be doing it successfully for seven years? I mean, yes and no. I mean, like, like that picture has been kind of a, a, a blessing and a curse. I've, mm -hmm. I've you know, it's been good for like engagement when you do like a side by side of like, uh, Before like glow you up. know, like what you want, <laughs> you know, or like a meme where it's just like what you buy online versus what you expect, you know, kind of shit like that. It's been like that. a very giving gift, but I think there's again my persona, if you want to call it that, versus yeah. reality. I think that picture or like my character on the show or how I was portrayed on Andy and and Caitlin season a little bit makes it seem like I'm like I've made this like drastic shift of sure. like who I was as a person. Yeah. Like I like that's just a really bad photo. <laughs> just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, that's like, fair. I wish I could be like, oh yeah, I really like had this glow up. But yeah. like I, I remember I recently got tattoos. It's something I've always wanted to do. I mean, I guess to that to to answer your question, and I think a lot I don't know how you were, but like there were always times where I thought to myself when I was, you know, working in corporate America. Yeah. Where you're just it just felt like this can't be it for me, you know, like, this, this, I mean, like, I felt like I like what I do. I, I feel fortunate to have the uh, job and, and career that I have, but like, is this it? Is like, <laughs> is this the most exciting my life's going to be? And so I don't want to sound all like, Oh, I thought I, I always knew I'd, you know, do stuff like this. But I think sure. there was a part of me that had that kind of, interest mm -hmm. in that stuff. I joke about like, not joke. When I was a kid, 
I wanted to be a cartoonist for Disney. Hmm. I was like artistic and I, I got away from that side as I focused on athletics and focused on business. Sure. And it's been fun to tap into that in these past few years, like living in LA to tap into kind of a more creative side. I think social media in general makes that easier sure. for everyone. I think, yeah. you know, with, especially like with TikTok, like anyone can be a creator, you yeah. know, the access and that people have to exercising their kind of creative brains is like never before, which I think is exciting for everyone. So like most people are, I think there's, you have kind of different sides to who you are. And I yeah. think, you know, there's a lot of cons of social media, but I think a, a positive has been that ability for people to not be, you know, it's just like you get a job and you get a career and you're like, sure. this is just who I am. And maybe right. you have a hobby or two, but I think people can now develop different, you know, muscles and different talents. For sure. And I think, I guess, in a way, yeah, there was a part of me that I've, I, I don't feel like, as crazy as my life shifted or it was in the long, the longest possible winded answer, like I'm not like blown away. Yeah. But at the same time, it wasn't like, it certainly wasn't like, how do I move to LA and move to Hollywood? Yeah. I mean, when I was in my late twenties, early thirties, like the idea of live, I never, I never would imagine I'd live in LA, yeah. you know? No, and I so get that. I it's get a little that. bit of both. And I see, I think, I mean, you, you bring up a lot of good points. I see that picture and then I see you and I know the world that I've been exposed to from it. And to me, I think, I think about my corporate America days. I think the problem is that the corporate America culture, at least for me, maybe for you too, is it, it limits you to such a box because if you get outside of that box, then you're not fitting the identity or kind of uh, what they want to shape you as. Sure. And I think in our world, you now have so much ability to create your own pursue entrepreneurship. You know, you could have a sleeve of tattoos and no boss is going to make a passive aggressive comment. You could do what you want the way you want. And your living, I think, is true to you as you possibly could, or at least I am in, in the world that we're, I talk different. I act different. I don't have to put my banker meeting voice on. I could just be what I want to be the way I want to be it, as yeah. opposed to how the corporate America structure wants me to be. But for you, you were, th you were th tell me if I'm wrong here, but you were 33 when you ended up going on the show. So what were you doing at that point in your life and what made you actually say, fuck it, I'm going to go, I'm going to take this shot? I worked for Salesforce, uh, which is a great company and I still have friends who work there. I, my brother works there now. I got, a, got him a job there. Nice. Indirectly. <laughs> I mean, he got himself a job there, but... Um, and yeah, I, I really quite liked it. Interestingly enough, like up until that point, you know, I was... You know, I was an accounting major and I did that my first two years and I hated it. And mm -hmm. then I transitioned to sales and I, and I worked my way up through, I first started selling cell phones and then did B2B sales for uh, telecommunications and then did medical okay. equipment and then did tech. And, you know, for a lot of people would consider tech in terms of like, if you're going to do sales, that's a, it's a great thing to sell. Something yeah. that's expensive, constantly changing, innovative, things like that. It's exciting. Sure. And so from a corporate standpoint, what was kind of fa interesting is that I finally felt like I made it. Yeah. You know, from a, totally. you know, like I was, I selling in tech was something I had always wanted to do and it, it wasn't easy to get into it. There sure. was, there were kind of different steps I had to take to, to get into that space. And then I did, and I had a lot of su early success at Salesforce. I really liked my team. I liked the people I worked with. It was really, you know, so I was like, this is great. And then the bachelor opportunity showed up. And at first, you know, it was my only reason of saying yes to the casting process is I had never been to LA ever. <laughs> and Free I thought, trip. <laughs> I was just like, oh, what a cool way to go to LA, you know? Yeah. And I, it was more like I, what I was, was fascinated with what would the casting process be like for a show like this? So okay. my mindset was, I'm just going to go through the casting process just for fun, just to see what it's like. Sure. And then I'll just not do it. Yeah, and then as I went through the casting process, it it was it was made pretty clear to me that they were interested in mm -hmm. me, and so then you know your curiosity peaks, sure. and then I started talking to people I trusted at work. To my surprise, they were 
incredibly supportive. And yeah, if it weren't for them saying, you know, go do this and we'll always have you back, I probably wouldn't have done it. I, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have quit my job. Intr okay. So if you had to quit your job, you wouldn't have. At this no. point, anybody that's interested in, they hear you talk about the selling technology, your software sales, or being an account executive and the way you moved up within Salesforce. When you leave your job at this point around 33, you said it was a career moving in the right direction. Around high level, how much you making? At Salesforce? Yeah. About 150000 at the time. Okay. So 150000 And if they told you, Nick, you go, you're fired, you're not going. This whole world never opens up. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would definitely not have gone. Okay. So that's, that's wild. And so they did support you going, which is incredible. Yeah. At what point did you end up saying the future of what I'm forecasting for my business, like income and, and, and projections can support or be greater than what I'm receiving at Salesforce. So I'm going to leave Salesforce. Yeah. It, it wasn't that mathematical. But you're sense. an analytical guy. I, I am, Very but analytical. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I, this, this experience made me realize certain things about myself because I, I never thought of myself. I thought of myself as somewhat more risk averse rather than risk taking. Okay. I, if you would have asked me that, I would have said I'm more risk averse. And I think sure. in a lot of ways I, I am. I'm very careful. I'm very thoughtful with my choices. I look at pros and cons. I assess risk in my, you know, my mind. I'm not like an actuary or anything like that. But <laughs> but obviously what I learn, well, what I, what I learn, and I guess it just depends on where I am risky. Mm -hmm. I think I take a calculated risk in the sense that I think, something I live by, continue to live by, and what has been constant is when I'm faced with a challenge, I always bet on myself. Okay. And I look at, all right, what are the pros and cons? What's what's the worst case? Whatever that is. Sure. You know, if this really goes really bad, what does that look it, like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? If I and fall on my face, what's the result? If this goes really good, what does this look like? And if the and if the unknown variable is mostly how I handle adversity or what I do with certain opportunities, yeah. then I'm going to do the more risky thing because if the variable is me and my choices, then I, I'm going to bet on myself to make the right choices and I'm going to bet on myself to adapt. I'm going to bet on myself to overcome adversity. Mm -hmm. When faced with those one thing Nick has mentioned is his financial position when he moved out to LA. I want you to think about your financial position. What can you do in 2022 to put yourself in a better position? I always say, start with two things, debt and expenses. So let's talk about expenses. Think about the pandemic. How many subscription services did you sign up for? I think about every streaming service. I mean, literally Netflix, HBO Max, Hulu, like you name it, I have it. It's time for me to do some homework too and reevaluate why I have those services and which ones I'm using. And the easiest way for me to do that is Truebill. It's a new app that'll help you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need. Subscriptions aren't bad. They're not bad at all. But if you're not using them or it's just not bringing any value to your life, you could save a lot of money. And on average, people save up to two, 700. I almost said 200. Correct me. On average, people are saving up to $720 a year with Truebill. So go right now, truebill.com slash secrets. Literally going into 2022, it could save you thousands of dollars a year. Truebill.com slash secrets. All right. All right. A lot of moving to LA talk here, but let's talk about the holiday season. When I think about the holiday season, I think about winter in Buffalo, New York, and there's just nothing better than putting on your slippers, maybe a robe if that's your thing, and getting a nice, fresh cup of coffee. If you're someone who loves coffee, and maybe your at-home coffee just isn't meeting your expectations. Not only do I have a free option for you, I have an unbelievable option. It's called Trade Coffee. So essentially, Trade will match you to coffees that you love from over 400 different craft coffees they have. And then what they'll do is they'll send you a freshly roasted bag is often 
as you would like. So never again, especially on a cold winter day, will you wake up without the best coffee you can imagine. And the best part is they will guarantee that you'll love your first match. But on the off chance you don't, they'll replace it for a different bag for free. Speaking of free, for our listeners, right now, Trade is offering your first bag free and $5 off your bundle at checkout. To get yours, go to drinktrade.com secrets and use promo code secrets. Take the quiz to start your journey to the perfect cup of coffee. That's drinktrade.com secrets, promo code secrets for your first bag free, $5 off your bundle. And this holiday season, it is a perfect gift to give. Check it out. So when I went and left for Caitlin's season yeah. and I came, I was just like, I just kind of leveled with them. I'm like, did, they, did they support you again to go on another season? Yeah. So, like, so the, fir- the first time they were just like <laughs> super chill and cool. Like, hey, man, yeah. you should totally go. Like, yeah. we'll take you back. You know, at the time and Salesforce, I'm guessing is still that to this day. But sure. when I worked there, they had been around for a while, but relative to the industry, they were still considered, they had kind of stirred up mode. So they were... Okay. Their focus was growing. They yeah. were always hiring. So sure. they're just like, listen, your president's club, we're hiring all the time. Yeah. Are we going to hire someone who's proven to be successful and we like working with? Why would they not? Or are we going to hire someone we don't? <laughs> yeah. So like whether you go and leave or you quit, like we're going to hire you back. No liability in them rehiring. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. I'm like, that makes me feel good. So I took the leave and I came right back. And then... The second time I was just like, I'm just gonna love with you. I know this is super crazy and weird, but like <laughs> I was talking to this chick and I feel like I don't know, man. Like <laughs> and they're like, All right, again, we we wanna support you and just promise us that if you don't come back unless you are done doing whatever this is. Yeah. If you come back again, be committed to this job. Gotcha. And I said, That's fair. One more shot. And so after, you know, I got, you know, after Caitlin and my, my journey with Caitlin ended, I definitely was just like, I'm not going back right away. So I took the summer and kind of this, you know, partly it was like, I think my mental health wasn't super awesome after sure. uh, Andy's season. So like, I just needed to kind of decompress. And so I was like, if nothing else, I'm just going to decompress. Yeah. And then, then I got signed by an agent which I didn't, it was like commercial agent slash sure. modeling. I didn't know what that meant you know, at the time. <laughs> like I didn't you know, know that there's like an agent for everything or a manager and <laughs> things like that. But I was like, I got an agent, agent you know? And so, <laughs> and a lot of the, a lot of things that happened were very fortuitous. And then I had this, had this op- so I signed by an agent and the agent's like, you should move to LA. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I met this, my, one of my buddies now who, who I didn't know very well at the time, but he's like, I have a house. So you can sit, like, cool you know, you can, I have a room for you. And I had this, a condo in Chicago. And so I kind of packed a couple suitcases and I was like, well, I'll stay here for a couple months. And then, and I still kept in close communication with Salesforce. I was still technically on leave. Okay. And I was like ready to come back. Cause I, I still was very like, I, I just, I don't want to lose this opportunity, sure. but there's like, just fucking go, man. Like, what's the worst you like, what's just go for a year, give it a shot. Like what's the worst that happens? We'll hire you back. That's why I was like, all right, fuck it. You know? So I thought to myself, and, and again, I, when you, cause the way you asked the question was like, I had no fucking clue what I was going to do. Right. You know, when I think back about where I'm am today and what I have going on and like what I, and, and, like I just did, I just moved. I just, I, I had no income. I had no plan. It wasn't like nowadays where you have this playbook. I sure. think I had like 110,000 followers. There wasn't anything as no one knew what a swipe up was. Did you, how about finance? Did financially you have some type of amount that you said, okay, yeah, I, can, I had like, a X amount of month salary, a hundred thousand bucks. I had a, I think I had like $50,000 in my liquid cash in my yeah. savings. I had a 401k plan that yeah. I certainly like, if I needed a rip case of emergency yeah, that yeah, was yeah. there, but I never wanted to touch that. that. Sure, sure. But I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't want to touch this, Yeah. but I guess it is there. Yeah. So I had about forty-five, $50,000 in cash that I was living off of. Interesting. So, and uh, and again, like I hadn't made, at this point, I didn't make a, I hadn't made a dime when it, from my bachelor experience. So I just kind of moved to LA and I just, what I did know is that like I had me, my, mm-hmm. myself, my skills, I treated moving to LA like a job, 
You know, I, yeah. I told myself, well, I have a sales background. And so now my job is to sell myself. And sure. so I took improv classes. I did the work. I networked. I recognized that being on the show gave me a access. Sure. You know, I think understanding the difference between access and credibility is important. Yeah. The show gives you access. The show does not give you credibility. Right. And That's for sure. It's important to know <laughs> the difference. 100% accurate. Um, but access gives you an opportunity to build credibility for yourself. Yeah. You know, you get totally. in the room of certain people and then now you have an opportunity to get to have them get to know who you are, not yeah. who they might think you might be. Sure. I just kind of figured it out. You know, there's definitely a lot of luck involved, but you know, there's that, you know, luck is when, you know, opportunity sure, and preparation, sure. yeah. blah, 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 blah. And so, yeah, there, things definitely had to work out. It wasn't when I, when I eventually quit Salesforce. Yep. When was the actual time? I, I moved out. I think it was like December. So like I, I yeah, it was like December of two thousand. I don't know what year it was. So like it was in between Paradise and Caitlin season. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, okay. It's interesting though that Salesforce was the one pushing you to go. So when I when I went on Becca's season, company supported me. When I got back and then was asked to go on Paradise company said, you go in paradise, you're gone. Yeah. And so that was one of the driving factors that eventually led me to not go onto paradise. But at this point, so when you go like, I'm just trying to understand, I know you bet on yourself, but you go on season one of The Bachelorette, you go on season two. One thing we've heard from a lot of people in the reality TV space is once they go on one show, the next show, they now have a built-in personality. They have a following. They have momentum. Like, are you compensated at all for that time period going back on Caitlyn's season? No. Okay. So the first I think time they bought ever... me like a suit or some shit. <laughs> okay. It was like, it was like <laughs> they're like, we can't pay you because like precedent and, and bullshit like sure. that. Yeah. I think I got a little bit, but okay. it was it was minimal. And it was like, it was essentially like they bought me a suit. Got maybe it. two or something like that. But, but it was you, nothing. Okay. Interesting. But, yeah. but between the Caitlin's, For Caitlin season. For Caitlin season. So between Caitlin season and then going on Paradise, you move to LA, you take the shot, you got 50,000 bucks and, and a dream. What did you do in that? And I know you took improv classes, you created opportunity. What did you do within that time period before Paradise to monetize? Because it wasn't social I, I media in that world in 2015, 16 was fucking not I didn't, not I didn't make any today. money. I didn't make a dime. In that time period, you yeah. weren't making any money. I mean, I think I did one diff ad. <laughs> and what is that diff I, ad? I did, I did one. Di I think I made like twelve hundred bucks. <laughs> it's so crazy and how much it's changed. It's changed, and then it's I think nuts. I did. I did one. I did one bar appearance in in Calgary, which some of the Bachelor guys yeah, did. Yeah, like Chris yeah. Souls did, and I hated every moment of it. I did, and it that too. was, it was and that was full off of like. I was like, I need some fucking money. Sure. And they uh, paid cash for that too, yeah, right? Man, yeah. like cash <laughs> and I just like, I hate, I hated it. I just, I hated doing shit like that. Yeah. And so I, I did that, but there was, and there were plenty of moments in that time where I was like on the fence. I was, I was still keep, like I was, I left Salesforce, but I was keeping tabs. Okay. I was like keeping my relationships. I was checking in. During St. Patrick's Day that following year, yeah. before Paradise, I went home to Chicago and hung out with some friends. And I was like, ah, it's fucking good to be home. It's yeah. good to see my friends. And But then I was like, you know, because you were, you know, Salesforce and Google was in Chicago. I've There's a lot of swapping positions. Of course. And I will say when I went back to Chicago that weekend, it was good to be back. But then I was talking to a hiring manager at Google who was best friends with a, a friend of mine, but also like a, an executive at Salesforce. Yeah. And I thought to myself, yeah, I'm good. I can totally get a job if I need a job. Like, cause sure. he was like, I was like, I, this guy was essentially like offering me a job gotcha. at Google, you know, selling emails basically, yeah. but yeah. Hey, it's a sales hey. job at Google. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I, it just, it, rem it just kind of gave me the confidence that I don't know if this is going to work out what I'm doing because mm -hmm. there was a lot of like at that point for a lot of days, I was just kind of waking up and I wanted to do something. I wanted to feel busy, but I don't know what the fuck to do, you know? like So what did you, I mean, improv classes, anything I did, else? I just, started taking acting classes, improv okay. classes. Again, I was like trying to take set up meetings and take meetings and yeah, I was just, I was just hustling and I was trying to network. I was just trying to get to 
know the lay of the land. So you was know? going to paradise then getting to know the lay of the land, not really booking anything other than defy wear for the 1200 and then going on paradise was when they offered you that paradise role was there. I mean, you had to undoubtedly be like, of, of course I'm in. No, no, because when I got to LA mm-hmm. and I got, you know, signed by this agent, I was in LA for like a, a month. And I, again, I was coming off of Caitlin's season. So like, I was, you know, my notoriety was, I guess, sure. at, at a high, Relevant. right? People felt bad. You were crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, like, it was my best moment. Caitlin broke out with me. And then there was a show on E! called Famously Single that they were starting. Okay. And I was, they're big, they wanted me bad. You know, two-time runner-up on The Bachelorette. My agent was like, they want you bad. You're under contract, but like, you know, the like my agent was saying like, you know, I don't know, some high up at NBC would like be willing to kind of like talk to whoever, like the Mike Fleisses of the world, whatever. And I think they were offering me like sixty, seventy thousand dollars to do it or something like that. Okay. My agent really wanted me to do it. But I I just thought to myself, I didn't move to LA just to be on TV. Okay. Sixty thousand dollars would help me out right now, big time. Sure. But I was thinking big picture. You know, I left a job making $150,000 a year, and that was it was a job there. And that was the floor. Like I was still relatively yeah. entry level. Like the ceiling for where I was planning on, where I thought I could move up to at Salesforce sure. was like making a half a million dollars a year. And, and real quick, if you're, suppose that with the bonuses, let's say you average out 300K and then you add, I don't know, benefits that you monetize that, say 350. For anyone listening here, like that's 350K for a year. Do three years, do four years. You're at 1.3 yeah. million. So stock every options, da- stock options, every yeah. day you're not working for them, it's costing you. Yeah. Right? So significantly. Yeah. So my mindset was, is this opportunity of going on famously single going to help me or hurt me long term? And I just thought famously single <laughs> and trying to capitalize on being some sort of reality TV reject is like, that's not, I didn't move to LA to do that. Got it. You know, like sure. famous, I, you know, it was a new show. It was about being broken up with. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do or hosting or acting, but I was like, I want to, I didn't quit my job to just yeah. do this type of shit. Okay. So like, no, like I said no to it. And, you know, my agent was all mad at me, but I was just like, I just, I thought to myself, if I did this show, I might as well just go back to work now and, and make money a wild move sitting in LA for a year not making much getting offered a whole show at E and turning it down that's yeah. crazy and, and they ended up casting Josh Murray instead <laughs> interesting and then I was like yeah I made the right are you call. trying to say Josh Murray's reality TV reject we all are Jason I know because yeah. I, I almost self-deprecate I was like well you didn't want to be one but, but I, here I, we, I, are. We, we are and I, I what I wasn't trying to do is mo- like monetize that sure and and uh, whatever, if someone did it, for me, it just wasn't the right call. Got and it. for me, I, the benefit of quitting Salesforce, yeah. I, I was giving up something, right? Sure. And so you, you, for me, every decision I made, I had to compare it to like, well, if I'm, is doing this going to help me like grow, be more successful? Is it going to help me gain credibility? Because again, right. I have I already have the access. I right. don't have the credibility. So like is going on famously single going to give me more credibility or less? Because I don't need more access. Yeah. I could, you know, I was taking acting classes and, you know, in the acting world, a big, and it's, it's it was kind of a scam. And I think they've kind of put the closed loophole, but like young casting directors had these like seminars that you'd pay like 300 uh, bucks to go to like network with casting sure, directors sure. and you're meeting low level casting directors and you're essentially like showing up to this like seminar to give them your quote unquote acting resume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's kind of a scam it's for a casting scam. directors to make a little extra coin. Yeah. And I went to my first acting class and I was referred to my first acting class to a casting director at NBC who is still a friend of mine. Okay. And I was in that room and they were a Bachelor fan. They, yeah. they took a general meeting with me because I was a Bachelor fan. Sure. I was at a bar and her secretary saw me and said, hey, have you ever thought of acting? 
my boss wants to meet you. And I knew that she wasn't interested in casting me in a show that she probably was a Bachelor fan. But sure. from that moment on, she befriended me because I went, took that meeting, mm -hmm. I answered her questions, but then I asked for advice and career advice. I didn't ask for a role. I asked for like, what work can I do? And she kind of took me under a ring and wing and she set me up with another general meeting. My point of all saying all this is like, here I am at this acting class with a bunch of people who have on their second, third, fourth acting class school, right? Yep. And they're all like, you know, what what uh, casting director seminars have you gone to? And I'm like, I just took a meeting with like the executive at NBC and you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, I yeah. had the access. Sure, sure. And, and so that's what I mean. Like every decision I made was like, is this going to give me more access or not? You know? So anyways, fast forward to paradise. The reason why you're like, oh, was that a sure thing? Because me saying yes to paradise contradicted my decision-making up into that point. That makes a lot of sense. And so I was really reluctant, but at the same time, at least I had a relationship with the show I knew like some of the producers that I did trust, despite them <laughs> being producers. And instead, you know, it was still the Bachelor franchise on ABC, not famously single, a show that didn't even exist on E, sure. you know? So it was like network for television versus cable, et cetera, et cetera. My friends were going like, so my reason for saying yes was not because it was going to give me more credibility or more access. At that point, yeah, I definitely like the funds were getting low. Yeah. I was definitely like, and I was really close to like moving back. It was definitely like, if I, wow. if I didn't say yes to paradise, I was going to go back. go back to work. Wow. I had a bunch of friends going on paradise mm -hmm. and they were all like friends like Jared and, and Tanner who had gone the year before. And they're like, dude, it's fun. Yeah. Just go It's not it. the same. Yeah. It's fun. And I, and finally I said, I just said, I just kind of said, fuck it. And yeah. uh, one of the producers who just said, you're just going to have to trust me. And I, and I said, I guess, fuck it. I guess I'll just trust you. And, and I went. It's interesting talking to Nick about his earlier life, career trajectory, uh, some of the financial moves he made, and even his financial positions. But now it's time to think about your specific early decisions, your early investments. Or maybe I'm saying that and you're like, I'm not on it. I didn't really make any investments early. That's because it's difficult and confusing to start investing. It's not easy. There's a lot of barriers. It's a lot of knowledge barriers, understanding, and just the whole mental block of getting going. But you got to get on it and you got to get on it now, especially with inflation moving the way it is. So there are so many tools out there and there's one tool I want you to keep in mind. It's public.com. Not only can you invest on public.com, but it's huge on the learning experience on stocks, ETFs, or crypto. I mean, public will make it easy to learn and invest. And the biggest thing is with investing, people don't want to feel stupid because they don't know. But the whole foundation of public is built on community. So you can learn from other investors or talk to other early investors. So start investing right now with as little as $1 and you'll get a free slice of stock up to $50 when you join public.com today. Visit public.com slash trading secrets to download the app and sign up using code trading secrets. That's public.com slash trading secrets and code trading secrets. A lot of the conversation with Nick is going down memory lane. How about for you, though? When you think about memory lane, what do you think about? Maybe it's not Bachelor in Paradise moments, or being The Bachelor, or being on Dance with the Stars. But maybe there are some amazing stories in your life that you wish you had preserved. There is a company that will help you do that now called StoryWorth. They're an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious moments and stories for years to come. It's literally, you think about spending a lot of money on a gift or something sentimental, this will hit your sentimental bucket every day. So what happens is every week, StoryWorth will email your relatives or friends a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of different options. And then each unique prompt for their answers will be captured in the story. And after one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved one's stories, including photos, and put them in this beautiful keepsake book that you will have forever. It is the sentimental gift that'll have 
your friends or your family saying like, whoa, this is unbelievable during the holiday season. So I'm giving those I love most this personal gift and you could do the same. Go to storyworth.com slash secrets and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash secrets to save $10 on your first purchase. I'm just trying to think of the differences. Obviously, network TV, you don't have access, not going to do credibility. And it's certainly, you can call me out right now, it's not going to pay you 60K, which the other show would have paid. Paradise? Yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I I negotiated different than I think. It, it wasn't close to that. It was it was about thir- a third of that. Did you negotiate a guaranteed rate? Yeah. 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 So I knew that it would keep you there for a little bit. Smart. Or they Guy's did. Or it wasn't my problem. Yeah. And I wasn't afraid of going home. If you, <laughs> you want to send me home, send day, me home one, day one, I don't I'm care. Still getting the I paycheck. Was, in fact, given like what I wanted to do, yeah. that was like at the time, like best case scenario. Show up for a day, get my paycheck, and you send me home night one. Great. Actually, yeah. I mean, and, you and, know, and, at and the time, my mindset was like cash. I was very reluctant to go into that world. I had a lot yeah. of like trepidations and fears, and I always kind of yeah, I felt like I. Up until that point, I couldn't win in that world. Yeah. And I want to ask you about post-paradise. Before I do, though, you touched on the acting thing. And it's something that no one from Bachelor Nation has done effectively. And there's probably a million reasons why, because we're not actors. But do you think anyone can effectively go from Bachelor world to acting with the experience? Because you did act for a little bit. Like how I still difficult have, I just filmed is that movie. world? You yeah, did? Yeah. So I'm, how? So tell me a, a little bit about just that industry, a guy that knows nothing about it. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough grind. Well, I, I, I've, if I ever make it, make it. Like I've I've had some small roles. Yeah. And the, the the role I just played, I actually played myself, and I usually that's the first time I ever agreed to do that. But it was well written, and it was I felt good about the de- the decision and. Like How do you even get like a, like, so you just said you did a film. How did you even get that opportunity? I mean, I have a theatrical agent. Interesting. Yeah. Does that, do those like little cameos and shows and stuff, like can people make a living off that? No. Yeah, hundreds, no I think, of, hundreds of bucks you're making for a cameo? I, I have no bucks? idea what I made for yeah. this role. In fact, when it comes to, you know, maybe I shouldn't tell, tell like I, I do it for free. Right. You know, because I'm doing it for the experience and the work and the credibility. And the credibility, right? I'm fortunate enough that I'm making money in other aspects of my life and, and career. And a that, lot of it. That, <laughs> and a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't care about the money. So in your dream world, and I want to go back to like post-paradise in a second, but dream world, would you be a well-known successful actor? Would that be like a dream for you? Sure, in a way. I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to, exclusively be an actor and also like I don't think Hollywood is that way you don't think anyone is that's a good like you don't you got TikTok stars now Leos don't exist anymore that's a good point you know that's a really good point Um, even your A-list actors are hosting more and more and and I think it's just a different landscape these days okay but even if it wasn't I don't think like I think my dream acting role would be some sort of series regular on a TV show where people would look and go, hey, it's better than I thought. Yeah, sure. You know, to Proved me, that's that's the that's the dream. Okay, you know, that's cool. and I don't think I'll ever stop doing what I'm doing. You know, yeah, I love what I'm doing, and so I'm never gonna like stop the podcast. And I'm never gonna stop you know doing other hosting stuff. So if I were able to get regular work as an actor, that would yeah. be a really cool dream. So I'm sorry to detour the conversation, but it's nothing that I know about. I find it fascinating. I appreciate you sharing that. But what, what just, it, I didn't answer your question in terms of like what it would, it's a challenge because you, I'm still the bachelor guy, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so hard to break it, out it's of It's so that. hard to break and you got to pick your spots. You have to, I mean, I, I've been taking acting classes for four years. Yeah. You have to be committed to doing the work with very little return very little reward, you know, like I, I do, I do get in, I get auditions, you know, twice a month Yeah. and I always hire my coach and I audit, you know, I audition and I rehearse. I mean, I know, I'm assuming I'm not getting the part, you know, like, but you do it over and 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 over. And but so auditions is sh- like, sh- like in the acting, cause we had an actress on and they'll do like hundreds of auditions. So two auditions is like nothing. Right. Yeah, relative like to the, uh, the, the average person, and yeah. I have had other. Yeah, I'm on on average, and like during like pilot season, I might yeah. get more and things like that. Okay. But 
yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. Like it's, it's all like, it's just like gravy. And so like, will will I ever make it, make it? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know, but I'm right now it's a passion project of mine and something I'm fortunate living in LA that I can continue to do. And as long as I have representation who's willing to pitch me out for certain roles and one day all it takes is one shot, one shot. One last question about this before I go back to post paradise. But I think, you know, Caitlin has done a really successful job of people will call her like the off the vine person or the dancing with the stars person. And you and your podcast, people might refer like, Oh, he's the podcaster. Do you think though, anyone from the franchise has ever actually effectively completely rebranded them that they're not known as like the bachelor person. Not yet. Yeah. I think Rachel, Lindsay, Caitlin, myself are the closest. Mm -hmm. I think you're doing a great job. That's nice of you. No, you really are though. (laughs) I'm like staring it down. You better give me credit. No, I'm just kidding. No, you really are. Uh, But you, cause like you, it's clear you know what you're talking about when it comes to business. It's not something that people would think about. Like it's not a low hanging fruit yeah. opportunity in sure. bachelor space when it comes to our audience. That's but true. it's something like I think to be successful, to be able to do what we're all trying to do is you have to stay the course. You have to do it mm-hmm. without getting immediate return. You have to do it without making money right away. Yeah. I think Hannah, I think Hannah Ann has a real opportunity. Really? Yeah. Because like in, in what space? Like the modeling space? Modeling and and baking. Okay. I mean, That's right. She's doing all the baking. She shows. fucking bakes every day. It's on social <laughs> media. I, you know, consistency like, it's though, consistent. That's part of she, building a business. That's what I'm saying. That's like business. She, it's very clear that what she likes and what she has a passion sure. in doing, and she's committed to that yeah. and and she's doing it. And I think that will serve her well. And yeah, I think it just takes time. But yeah. I like kind of to your point, I you when I go LA is different, but when I travel, yeah, like New York or Chicago, of ten people come up to me, nine people are coming up to me from my podcast. But, oh, really? No. Well that's and there's been a shift huge. in the past year. That's huge. Yeah. That's a huge change. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's I know Caitlin's the same way. And same thing. When people come up to me and say, if they say anything about trading secrets or restart. My excitement level yeah. is fifteen great. times, yeah, and someone's like, oh, yeah, like, you know. like oh, okay, um, So yeah, I think it's tough. I think it, it just takes time. Yeah. Part of it is because the Bachelor franchise is still popular. Caitlin, myself, you to a certain degree, Rachel, working for Extra, is still talking and covering the Bachelor. So, sure. and that's the challenge of. Like, it's just like, fuck, I want to like get, get away from it. But like, also it's like my audience, like it's a, it's a challenge. I, you know, I, I saw an interview that Matthew McConaughey did about like, just being like, I'm not doing rom-coms anymore. Fuck it. I don't care if I don't work anymore. Wow. He bet on himself and there was no guarantees at all. Like we look back and now that he's won an Oscar, it's like, of course he was going to make it. But like, sure. not, like at that time, not a, you know, yeah. that is something I struggle with in terms of trying to balance out my involvement with Bachelor Nation and recapping the shows versus the other things I'm doing. But it's, a, I think, you know, the people I just mentioned, the, the more we, the longer we continue to work and the more like little successes, shavings make a pile, mm-hmm. I always say, mm-hmm. the more we will be known for the things outside of our time on the show. Yeah. And the, I mean, the difficulty is, is I'm going to take a wild guess here and look at your podcast downloads and look at your metrics on social media and everything. And there has to be a direct correlation to when Nick is speaking to someone extremely relevant from the show about the show. Yeah. The success, right? All that. And that's the difficulty. Anyone listening, I think that's the difficulty in branching out because the second you branch out, those numbers start to move in a different direction. Yeah. yeah, You, yes. And you try to juggle that. Yeah, exactly. It's a balancing act. And even like on my Instagram, like I want to do all business and and money stuff and I can't, right. I have to balance the the business behind it. Mm -hmm. And that's the nature of the world. All right. So 2018, I got, I've had you for a while here, Nick, and I only got you for so much longer, but 2018 is when you finish, or no, I'm sorry, 2016 is when you finish paradise, right? I honestly, whatever, 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 you finished paradise, you weren't the bachelor right after it was Ben Higgins. So in that time period, is this when the business started picking up for you to start to justify staying in LA? Well, no. Cause like right after paradise, I, when I got off the show, like I knew it was going to go well. Yeah. Like I just like, I'm like, I think I'm like getting good at it. Like, yeah. and I think some of the producers, like they don't want to give it away and they don't like talking about the edit, but they're like, 
I think you're going to be happy. I'm like, all right, great. Like at that point, honestly, it was just for me more of a personal like validation of like feeling like people might get to see me on the show. Yeah. And so my mindset was just kind of, I honestly, it was more like I I was kind of wrapped up in that Mm -hmm. from a personal side of just wanting to enjoy that. And I was back in LA and I, you know, was, I, I was. I went back to taking acting classes. I just went right back to doing that. I, like to get on to get me to do Paradise. I had some meetings with some Dancing with the Stars people. I don't know how sincere that was, or if it was just me to get me to do Paradise. Genius! Not only did you negotiate a guaranteed amount, you got Dancing with the Stars in the package too. <laughs> I, I well, that, my hope was to get on Dancing with the Stars. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell with the one and only the Curious Canadian on Nick Vial's podcast. This is only part one. You could tell where we ended, guys, right? So we ended with him talking about wanting to go on Dancing with the Stars, but then becoming The Bachelor. And let me tell you what, part two, I think, is about three times better than part one. Part one was a great start because we got a foundation for Nick and some of the things that you usually don't hear from what's next and what was before individuals from the Bachelor franchise went on the show. We heard what was before. Next episode is what's next, which is a fascinating one. And that's why we made this a two-part series. So one of the biggest guys I know who is a critique master of Bachelor alumni is David Arduin. He rips, shreds, pumps, acknowledges inspired by, does it all with the franchise, A to Z with alumni. I'm telling you, he needs his own Instagram where he could just comment and give us his true opinion because every time he gives me his opinion, I'm blown away. We got him. He's here, right here, right now. David Arduin, thank you for coming on The Closing Bell. Nick Vial, part one. Let's go. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I mean, you summed it up well. I probably consume way too much of my personal time on Bachelor Nation, and I think you being <laughs> thrust into it like has just amplified it for me. But I'm as as normal of a, of a guy as it can be, and I couldn't be more of a consumer of Bachelor Nation. So when, when we got Nick on the pod, I've always been a very, like, I still don't know if I like him or not. I just listened to him for an hour and a half, and I still don't know if I, like, I'm really on board with the Nick Vial train, but such a, such let a good get, teaser line. Let me give line. you a, a quick take on Nick. Before I met Nick, and especially naturally, because he was like, you know, big part of Caitlin's season, I didn't think I was going to like him at all. In fact, I was like, I'm, I'm going to like, I'm going to really not like him, right? And I met him. And I think the way I was perceiving him, at least on social media or on TV, versus what was in person, I don't know that I've ever been that far off with someone. And so when I met him, I actually really liked him because it, it, he's so different, at least to me, than what I was perceiving. And he was, he was, he was nice. He was kind. Uh, he was, I think I was expecting like extreme arrogance and I didn't get that at all. I got more like personable, intrigued, wanting to have a conversation. So I think if you met him, you would definitely feel more different. Like his energy and stuff, it's different than when you're just watching him maybe or listening to the po- The podcast did help for whatever it's worth, my like <laughs> care of liking this for Nick Vial because it's such not an important topic. But you could tell just the way he didn't pursue other opportunities in between shows and really like chase the fame was really interesting because you would you th- you would think if as an observer like oh two time runner up then paradise then batch like this guy must have been chasing it looking for the next and the next and the next and then he turned down that um the other show that he got offered the famous famously single or whatever yeah um it made me respect him a lot a lot um for what it's worth nick if you're listening um, <laughs> <laughs> i think it was kind of, I, right there i, I want to cut you off because i don't want to go over that because I don't want to miss that. I was really impressed that he turned that down because I was I was a little confused though. It seemed a little contradictory, but also impressed when he explained it. It seemed contradictory because you turn that down, but then you went on Paradise, which is the shit show. But when he explained, like he's like, well, this is ABC Network. My my brand is already built with them. I know their credibility. This is a new show. Who knows what it's going to do? 
and the fact that he was kind of dwindling on funds and they were paying 70K, 60, 70K for him to have his own show and he said no. Yeah, really impressed by the the thought process behind it. Have you ever, has anyone from Bachelor Nation ever crossed over from ABC to another reality TV show network and had success? Um, had success? I don't think so. Um, exactly. I mean, what the one guy who's clearly had success and he's taken over the show is uh, the new host, right? So he went yeah. from being in the NFL to new host of The Bachelor to then yeah. being The Bachelor and then became a very successful host and a successful um, sports broadcaster because that's his background. Now coming back to host The Bachelor. But no one has done like a real... Like I remember, remember that guy, Chad... Um, I think it was Chad Johnson, the big villain. He yeah. went on a bunch of reality shows, but I don't think it worked out for him. Like, I don't think he like cleaned his edit up in any way. Now we yeah. know that at least there's speculation out there that Blake is going on a show. Yeah. I was just going to bring so, that up. There's a lot of news articles that's all out there. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I I'll be cheering for Blake. I remember meeting someone from MTV and them saying like their cast, a uh, Corey Wharton from the challenge. And he mm. was telling me, he's like, yeah, man, we like, we kind of know it's great. Like in MTV world, we know that the ABC guy, like guys and girls, you guys are going to get like the better, you know, you guys are gonna get the better brand deals. And like, you guys are held, I mean, reality TV in general is held like at a very low rate, but the ABC bachelor is held at like the top of the pinnacle of reality TV. All right. So playing on that, I need, I think we're going to use this opportunity for a recap since we have part two coming up sure. and we'll get more into Nick himself as a guest, I kind of want to do a state of the union on The Bachelor Okay. in this recap. And, okay. and we're kind of trending in that way, talking about comparables. Where do you think the show is going in terms of long-term viability? I mean, from the ABC side, do you think producers, do you think Mike Fleiss, do you think he's worried about like, you know what, I think we're losing momentum. I think ratings are down. I think the way that people are consuming cable TV is down. Let's start with there. What do you think the long-term viability of it from a show from ABC's point of view? Take on the show. The show is going to have to, I think, from the little I know, the production is going to have to continue to change drastically. It's going to have to change drastically because, and you're starting to see it season to season, because the appetite of the consumer is changing drastically. And not only that, but there's so much competition. I think you're seeing like Bachelor in Paradise ratings, I believe they did really well. That type of style is what the consumer right. wants right now. So they're going to have to bring that type of energy and that type of stuff to the actual show. There was a point on Mental Law last night where Caitlin, like they were talking about one of the guys and blanking on his name, I should, Martin, and that like he's now happily like with a girl and he like has a girlfriend and Caitlin made a joke like live. She's like, all right, and we're going to bring her out right now. And every and that was off the cuff. First of all, fucking hilarious. And like when she said that, I was like, oh my God, no way. And I think that's like the style not so much of the like brick and mortar reading off a welcome back to the bachelor. It's going to have mm. to be more like uncut raw like that. Um, so that's my take on that. But I will say, I think the show it's, I, oh, I had a theory it was going to go away, especially after everything happened with Chris Harris. I'm like, this show's done. But then I realized this show's brand is stuck in America. And it's so, do we go to these podcast tours? We go, it is so strong. Bachelor nation. They're going to have to adjust but I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah, I think the show will stop when they want it to stop. I don't think the show is going to stop because they can't keep up or be relevant. But it's it's curious to hear you say like the Paradise numbers are super exceeding the, the normal Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise numbers. And I just wonder how they're going to mix it up a little bit. Like the cookie cutter production value of the show in terms of like I could blindfold going into episode six on a season to know exactly what's going to happen. It's a one-on-one date. It's a group date. It's a one-on-one date. It's final rose. It's done. Like, that's it. Like, I'm just curious when they're going to maybe change the, the that up a bit, maybe do a little more like candids, bring people in, start doing plays on social media. I don't know. But um, I think where they're think missing you, out, you broke too. it down pretty good. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I agree with that, David. There's going to be some change. I think where they're missing out to big time is alumni. Like, think about yes. the challenge, right? The alumni is constantly going on the show and doing things. You have this alumni that is their value is going up by the second for a top for the top tier alumni. Why are you guys not doing anything with them? Do give me a bachelor alumni. Imagine like, like all give this. Me a bachelor like, like, you alumni. Know, like I'll be honest, when I was like when Greg had that whole Katie moment, I was kind of like dragging Greg a little bit. 
kind of take it back now based on everything. But like, imagine you have these people that are dragging each other and now you throw them in like a competitive environment. They got to confront it, either apologize. Like there's so much enterprise value with the combined alumni and the things that have happened. Like example. Okay. Example. We talk business here. Hannah Brown's book. Hannah Brown is a New York Times bestseller because she addressed all of the drama that we wanted to know and waited a year and a half to do it. And she did it perfectly. And the marketing was brilliant. If you can become the number one of the number one books sold in the world on the New York Times bestseller as a former lead of the Bachelorette discussing the people you slept with and what really happened in your relationship. Imagine if you had some more alumni focused uh, shows. I think that would go nuts. It'd be like Big Brother All-Stars where me and you were texting back and forth on steroids for sure for the rest of Bachelor Nation. The issue is um, the cost though, right? Because what happens is we just had Nick, right? And you guys will hear in the second episode some of the money he's making. The It costs him. Everyone's values become so high because of the stuff that they're getting paid to do. What would the cost be to put something like that together? This is where, and this is going to parlay into my next question, or I'm going to be so obsessed because we have the person who runs the bachelor uh instagram like the bachelor data person coming up on the podcast which i am like i've been obsessed with that account yeah for i should have been doing that account when you came off the show because i had like my notes section going with like your growth by month by month (laughs) so i could only imagine what the opportunity would be if you had an alumni version of the bachelor whether it be competing for love or competing for something i know they tried it with winter games a little bit but um what do you think the opportunity is for contestants on the show. Do you think there's still that like it's a guaranteed meteoric growth Instagram influencing opportunity? Or do you think the time frame that we've the bachelor's been in this social media boom has kind of plateaued with it being so watered down with 30 people every th- realistically like three, four months entering this like pool? I think what's interesting is in the second part, we talk about this, uh, the success of bachelor people after the show and before the show, Nick, and the difference between being a male or a female. So this part of the conversation, I'm going to hold until we actually okay. go, right? But that being said, I'll, ta- I'll answer your question. We're in this position now where social media advertising is increasing at such an exorbitant rate. And you're seeing all budgets for 2022 be focused on social media with large companies. So that being said, as long as you, it doesn't matter what your following is. Let me repeat that. It does not matter what your total number of followers is. It has strictly everything to do with how engaged your following is and what your brand is and the quality of content you're putting out. And even though someone might have 50,000 followers, if they're putting out good quality content and they have an established brand and an engaged audience, they're going to make a lot of money off that that Instagram. So I do think uh, it's sustainable, but I'll, I cannot wait, David, and we will do a follow-up podcast on this to track because we're seeing right now a decline in followers, right? So we had Tasha season, and then we saw the followers that came off that, like like Blake and Greg. Then we had uh, this season, Michelle's season, and the following count on these this cast and the lead is at all time, like you know, not all time, but lows. It's trending lower. Be interesting mm-hmm. to see what happened with Clayton's season. Does that trend continue where their followers become less, or is there a huge spike? We'll have to monitor. It. And uh, just to correct you, said uh, Tasha season. You meant Katie season with Greg and Blake, but no, um, no, I meant like yeah. Tasha season. There, t- like Tasha came off with like 1.8 million, 1.7 million followers, oh, right? Yeah. Katie came off with a million followers. Michelle, mm-hmm. I think, now has around 600,000 followers. Will oh, okay. that yeah, trend continue? Yeah, yeah, no, it's very interesting. So, all right, before we wrap up here, uh, <laughs> Nick brought up something that I've actually never asked you about this, and and he said he was taking acting classes. Have you ever taken acting classes? I did one virtual acting class in, class session when I lived in Seattle. It was with all kids. So I was the only adult okay. and I was just watching. I was because they're just like, it was like, do you want to be in this or not? And I watched the kids practice. It was fucking insane how good they were. It was so good. And I followed all of them and I still follow them on Instagram. No way. But Nick got me thinking, like, who knows if I could do like, okay likelihood that I will ever do anything in acting 0.1%. But like, I find that whole world fascinating. And so I think I'm going to take acting classes just to learn about it. Just like, so here's, here's an example. Like tomorrow I go to Detroit 
And I'm going with, there's something called Three Ring Circus, where they do, it's a very, it's all for professional speakers. You do a two-day boot camp on how to actually professionally speak, like the psychology and strategy behind being a professional speaker. I have no idea if I'll ever be a professional speaker, but like, why not go and learn? Like for me, I'm like, why not? Like I'm going to go. So that's what I'm going to do. And at some point I'm going to make that a 2022 goal to take real acting lessons. That's cool. I like that. Why not? I like that. Right? So, like, why not? Well, that's great. You know, to wrap it up, I think that was a great part one. I'm excited to recap part two here. Good. Um, you know, stuff. Bachelor Nation, man. You guys talked about wanting to break the mode of, mold of being from The Bachelor and your successes, but you see, you know, every podcast guest we have that comes on that's a Bachelor person, it's more successful. Like, Bachelor Nation will always be Bachelor Nation. So, crazy group of fans out there. I'm one of them. So, I can't really speak speak too too much to it. I love it. Part two is coming up. And what we'll talk about in part two in the recap too is just like the access and credibility that Nick talked about. We'll talk about breaking the mold, getting outside of the bachelor world. We'll talk about a lot of Nick's endeavors that he talks about in the next episode and the money behind all the decisions and strategy of what he's done and how he's done it. From almost being broke to where he's at today. We hit that. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. Make sure to tune in to part two next week. Nick, we appreciate your vulnerability and your honesty and where you were and where you are today. And next episode will be one you can't afford to miss. So please remember to give us five stars. Give us a comment, feedback, things we could do better, guests we could have, anything and everything. We will see you next Monday for another episode of Trading Secrets Part 2 with Nick Bael and hopefully another episode you can't afford to miss. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.